Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening. Welcome to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoint. Your program with nationally recognized guests who are experts in their fields discussing today's most pressing issues and where your viewpoints matter. So call with your question or comments about this week's topic or whatever else may be of concern to you. Just call Darnell at 563-999-3660 to share your viewpoint. Now, with this week's guest, here's your viewpoint host, Darnell Edwards. Good evening, good evening, and welcome everyone to Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, and I am your host, Donnell Edwards. We thank you for joining us for tonight's program, How to Maintain or Take Control of Your Finances. It's Financial Literacy Month, and tonight we continue our series of special programming centered around personal money management, which includes many outstanding guests, like our guest tonight, and also on our personal money management program, the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. Uh, Central Daylight Time right here on the CWR Talk Network. So join us all month long as we celebrate Financial Literacy Month. Our special guest for this evening is certified financial planner, author, and speaker, Ms. Shannon Ryan. Shannon has two decades of experience helping individuals, families, and businesses become financially competent. She has spent her entire professional career helping real people make sense of their money. She has been in the trenches with people as life happens to them, giving her invaluable hands-on experience and insight. As a result, she's learned that how you think about money is the key to financial success. Please join me in welcoming to the CWR Talk Network and Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, Miss Shannon Ryan. Well, good evening, Donnell. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. I'm excited to join you. I'm a fan of yours and of Lionel Shipman's. You guys have great programming. So thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. And uh, Shannon, what I would like to do uh, there's some of the people who are listening, and uh, I also uh, write a blog. We'll talk some more about that a little later. But uh, it, it's my experience that a lot of people, and some of those are my listeners, are not in a position at this point to really have the discussion about investing. So what I would like to do tonight mm-hmm. is to set the stage and talk about how you get to the point where you can invest. Because one of my philosophies is to make your money work for you. And so what I would like to do is to talk about those things tonight, and then you have my invitation right now to come back uh, later on in the year, and we'll have a session, uh, Investing 101, talking about uh, how a person begins the process of becoming 
an investor. Would that be all right? Actually, Danelle, that's the perfect place to start. I, I would love to join you again, and I think you're starting, as you always do, at the right place. Okay, thank you. Now, uh, Shannon, can you please explain the difference between a financial planner and a certified financial planner? Absolutely. A financial advisor is a broad term, and it's generally used to refer to most um, professionals advising you on your finances. Um, And a certified financial advisor, on the other hand, has to be certified by the Certified Financial Planning Board of Standards. Um, There's only 20% of all of the financial professionals out there are CFPs, very similar to when a doctor is board certified or not board certified. One of the hallmarks of the CFP is that we do have fiduciary responsibility when working on financial planning, and what that means is we have to act in the client's best interest. They hold us to a higher standard. Um, We have to do continuing education every year. So it's, there's, it's an important distingu- to distinguish between a financial advisor, which, again, is a very broad, broad term and varying in licensing as well. Okay. So would it be kind of correct to say that a, uh, it's kind of like degrees in, in, in college yes. where you would have maybe a, uh, a, a, a degree and then you would have a postgraduate degree and that person would have a little more knowledge and, and experience. Absolutely. To become certified, a financial advisor has to complete what the board calls the four E's, education, examination, experience, and ethics. Um, these planners are certified to advise on everything from taxes, insurance, to estate planning and are required, as I said earlier, to do the ongoing cons- Continuing requirements. So it's very similar to doing an undergraduate first. This is more like an MBA um, in finance. A CFP typically takes two years to go through the coursework, and then they have to sit for a board exam. And it's, Donnell, it is, it is tough. I remember when I got my results, and now it's been you know, almost 25 years ago, but I sat there when I received them, and I cried, and my husband said, you didn't pass. I said, no, I can't open it. It's too hard to open. And so I, I passed, and I've been a CFP for you know, almost 25 years now. And um, But it's I look at the the marks as something I take with a lot of pride because we really do have a higher level of fiduciary responsibility and one that I think is important for your professional to have. Okay. Now, if I understood you correctly, I believe you said that you do have to go back and be recertified. It's not something that once you get it, you, you have that for life. No, every two years you have to do at least 40 hours of ongoing okay. education. And so there's there's an additional requirement to keep your education up to date. In addition to that, if there's any complaints or anything that comes up where that has happened with a client, a client has complained, not only does the, the regulators, you have to explain it, but you also have to, as a CFP, go back and explain it to the CFP board. Um, in the last 25 years, I had one client that made a complaint that was was found not not it was a false complaint. My company said absolutely not. We have the notes saying that she did the exact opposite. Yet I still had to go in front of the CFP board and explain what happened because there was a complaint. So it really does hold you to a higher standard. And I was happy to do it because I think that 
the security of our clients and we're working with people's money and this is their life and it's very important to have that level that second level of eyes on the professional okay so what does a certified uh, financial planner do or financial advisor and uh, how did you become one so a certified financial advisor is someone who really works with individuals, families, businesses to help people understand their financials, not only for investing, but from cash flow all the way through estate planning. So cash flow, insurance, it's investing, it's estate planning. So there's, there's a very broad basis of things that we look at, and that is much more encompassing than just investing. Um, I remember when I was first out of college and I had my husband and I had put together a little bit of money to buy our first house and we thought, gosh, we've got a nice amount of money. Everybody says that it's time to go invest. And we called a friend who was doing investments and he said, oh yeah, we'll get together a much larger sum and then I can talk to you. And I thought, well, wait a minute, I need help with cash flow. I need to make sure that we get student debt paid off. And how do I think about all of these other things? But because he was more of what we would call a broker, somebody who's just trading investments, I don't think he, at the time I didn't know it, but I don't think he was even equipped to help us in these broader terms. And that's what a CFP does. And I knew from the beginning that was the direction that I wanted to go. I, I believe that we are holistic financial people. I also believe that money is extremely emotional emotional and a lot of our mistakes are not because we didn't make the right decision from investing, it's because we made mistakes around our emotional um, basis in money. And so that's why I became a financial uh, CFP. It took me two years of core coursework and then I sat for my CFP exam and I keep my C credits going every year. Okay. Now, uh, why would the average person uh, who may not have uh, uh, money to invest may still have the need to consult with the certified financial planner. I, I believe that if everybody understood what a certified financial planner does, I think that everyone starting the moment they start to earn money would seek one out, and here's why. When we're involved in our own financial lives, it's very hard to see clearly. It's very similar to if you go to the gym and if you go there and you, you're not taking a class, you're just going to lift a few weights, but you're not terribly familiar with the gym, how hard of a workout are you going to get? You're going to walk in, you're going to try to figure out what that machine does and do I do arms today, do I do legs? You'll meal about, you may get an okay workout, then you'll leave. And so similarly with your finances, if you have a coach, if you have a guide, they can walk you through the basics from a very early age. When you get your first job, what is a 401k? Do I con do I contribute? Do I not? How do I build how do I build a um, a cash reserve? Do I pay my debt off? So there's a lot of questions early on, and if those decisions are made well, and if somebody is very clear on what they want for themselves long term, regardless of what they earn during their lifetime, they can live a very successful financial life depending on some of those decisions. So I think that CFP creates the coach that many people really should have in their financial life. So coming to you early is kind of like uh, preventive financial maintenance rather than waiting until a person has gotten themselves into a financial conundrum and is almost at the point of no return. Yeah, 
Yes, but but it's hard to do, Donnell, because money is one of those things. There's there's a lot of shame around money. We we feel okay. because we're professionals in other areas that we should know how to manage our own money. Um, and so I I believe, and what I've learned in, in you know 25 years here is that people will wait it to to get to it. They'll say, well, when I get myself, when I get the debt paid off, I'll go talk to a financial advisor. When I can make a little bit more money and I'm proud to tell them what I'm making, then I'll talk to a financial advisor. And I think that's how it gets put off. And what I know is that, yes, early understanding of what decisions are being made. I mean, we're making financial decisions done now every single day. And if you can make those in alignment with your values and what you really want financially, you will be much further ahead versus delaying it until your finances look pretty, and then you can go talk to somebody. But I understand it's like cleaning your house before the, the, the housekeeper gets there. People want things to look good, and they delay, and I think it, it costs a lot of people a lot of money. Okay. You know, uh, since you brought that up, I wanted to mention this, too. I, I had the opportunity today to listen to Lionel's show from last night. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he had uh, a guest who is a is an accountant on his show, mm-hmm. and she was talking about her personal experience, where she got over uh, almost one hundred fifty thousand dollars, I think, in debt, and mm. she was talking about how she didn't have the anyone when she was growing up as an example yeah. or to help her to understand my name, even though she was an accountant and was auditing yeah. huge corporations and working on budgets, mm-hmm. you know, multi-million dollars. Uh, she had gotten herself mm-hmm. in a situation and was really frustrated and really ashamed and embarrassed. And she talks about how she pulls herself out of that, and, and it wasn't easy. And we're going to talk some more about, you know, children and the roles that parents play later on in our, our program this evening. But uh, I, I encourage mm-hmm. anyone that's listening uh not, don't just listen to this show tonight, but go back and listen to that that show that Lionel had last night. It's the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show from uh, Tuesday. Um, well, wait a minute. That's going to be tomorrow night. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, his show is <laughs> going to be on tomorrow night. And, and this is so listen, listen to that tomorrow night. Uh, and it's, it's really going to be a uh, – no, wait a minute. I'm just confusing myself. He did have that one. That one was uh, uh, from last week. Uh, so it, it is available on iTunes and uh, on our uh, uh, Blog Talk uh, page, Blog Talk uh, Radio forward slash CWR Talk Network. So make sure you go back and listen to that. So we're going to take a short break right now. If you just joined us, this is Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, and our topic tonight is how to maintain or take control of your finances, and our special guest is certified planner, Ms. Shannon Ryan. If you have a question for Ms. Ryan, call us at 563-999-3660. That number again is 563-999-3660. When we return, we will discuss help for those struggling with their personal finances, so stay tuned.
listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. College is back in session, and new survey results show that many students are getting failing grades when it comes to managing their money. According to a recent Visa USA consumer survey, 42% of consumers have never checked their credit score. The same survey found that only 20% of Americans know that it's perfectly legal for employers to refuse to hire a job applicant if they have a bad credit score. Jason Alderman is a personal finance expert and director of Visa's free consumer education and awareness program called What's My Score? College students entering the workforce need to know what their credit score is because it can have a serious impact on their ability to get hired. A bad credit score can send an otherwise well-qualified job applicant straight to the unemployment line. That's why it is so important for everyone to stick to a budget and pay their bills on time. Students and adults can get a free estimate of their credit score and tips on how to better manage their money by visiting whatsmyscore.org. I'm Lee Shepard. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman, something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right, but don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cool time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. Welcome back. If you just tuned in, this is Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints. And tonight's topic for discussion is how to maintain or take control of your finances. And our special guest is author and speaker, Miss Shannon Ryan. Shannon, for the past several years, uh, as I mentioned previously, I've written a personal money management blog, uh, knowyourmoneyglobal.com, uh, sharing my own personal experiences with money to try to help readers avoid the cost of mistakes that I made. Uh, I also mm-hmm. emphasize the importance of building wealth learning to put money to work for you instead of being a slave to money. What advice mm-hmm. do you offer people who are struggling to overcome poor money management decisions and lack of skills in order to become sound financially? Danelle, it, that's a big question. It, <laughs> the first thing when I sit across from somebody, um, and it's interesting because after doing this for so many years, 
people will come into my office and they'll sit down and you can tell it's, it's like going to the doctor for the first time and getting undressed and they're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> there's going to be judgment and there's shame around money and there's mistakes that have been made. And I think the hardest thing for me is knowing that that shame keeps people away from even coming in. Um, it's my belief and it's one of the reasons why I've gotten involved with financial literacy for children and for families is that this is a family of origin issue, meaning that it's, I believe it's one of the skill sets that as parents, we're not teaching kids at a young enough age. And you know what? I'm not blaming parents. I mean, what more can we do? I've got young kids still, and it's everything I can do to have them get their homework done and brush their teeth and make sure they're putting healthy food in their body and taking care of their bodies and do they sleep enough. And you know, as parents, there's so many things that we're trying to do, and I'm a full-time working mom. So how do I instill great money lessons on top of that, especially if – I don't am not that familiar with it as well. So what happens often Danelle, is in very early stages we start to learn about money at about age three. And those learnings become very deeply rooted by twelve and fourteen years old. So what happens is if we don't have a good solid foundation or even worse, we have a not a great foundation and then we witness our parents either coveting hating, fearing, fighting, all this all this crazy emotion around money, then we get into a position, as you said that you did, where we, did, we didn't manage our money well. And then there's shame that comes in that. And then that cloud of I'm going to sleep at night and I've got debt sitting on me. So there's so much that's in that question. Very simply, there is, in my mind, a very clear success um, path to building a happy financial life. And I have to tell you, when I say that often in front of a large group, I, I hear people uneasily kind of laugh because many times they haven't thought about money as the happiness, meaning that if I don't have enough, then I'm not happy. And it's more about living within your means and knowing what's important to you and making good decisions every day and knowing that you'll make some bad ones but if you know what you want, you make more good decisions and you understand how money works, basically financial literacy, how money works in the world, and you make more good decisions than bad decisions, you're going to look up and you're going to be in a financial position that makes you very happy. Okay. That's a very good answer. Now, if you were to develop a blueprint for financial success and laying the foundation to build wealth, what would it consist of? So I very clearly, the very, the, the bottom, the foundation of this blueprint, I think of it more like a pyramid. So the foundation okay. of this blueprint of the house, if you will, is having what I would call an adequate cash reserve. People refer to it as an emergency fund. I just think of it as liquid assets available. So when something happens, which it always will do now. What kills me is people just think that, you know, I'm going to live paycheck to paycheck and, and nothing bad's ever going to happen. What, I, what happens in life is not only the car needs new tires or the refrigerator breaks or something unexpected happens, but there's also wonderful opportunities. Somebody gives you an opportunity to take a great trip or do something else. So the first part of this foundation is making sure that you've got a solid cash reserve. The second part of that foundation is making sure that you have proper insurance, meaning that you've got coverages in case 
you lose your job because of disability or you have a long-term care stay or somebody in the family dies prematurely. Part of this foundation, this basic foundation, is also managing debt. And we can talk about it further, but I, I have very strong opinions on how debt should be paid off. Um, and so the next level is then what are your goals, meaning what's important to you? It, you know, often people will say to me, I want to educate my children. I, I had to pay for my university education on my own, or I never had an education, and I want to pay for my kids to go to college, um, or I want to be able to be financially independent at some point. I want to retire, or I want to take a trip every year. Everybody has different financial goals. So that second layer, that investing layer, then we can start taking a look at all those goals and those decisions around and I think of them as buckets of money of where we can put our money on a monthly basis to achieve those things. But the beginning of that financial success is creating such a solid foundation that when, that, when you know, the, the pyramid of the house gets rocked, then you've got that foundation to fall back on. Because I can't think of any client that I've worked with in all of these years that has not had that house rocked. And it's the foundation that either holds up or crumbles that makes the difference of long-term financial success. Okay. Uh, so, it's, it's a process. A uh, person has to have a plan. It's not something that that happens haphazardly. So that's that's yeah. great. Now, uh, statistics show that a very very large number of Americans don't have a budget. Yet, most yeah. leading financial advisors strongly recommend using a budget. Why is having a budget so important? So I'll tell you why people don't have budgets, because it's a bad word. Um, people don't okay. like to be budgets, because that means that they're being restricted. It's, it's, you know, we think we're a grown-up. You know, I think I've achieved a certain age, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a full-fledged older grown-up at this point now. But when I hear the word <laughs> budget, I think, oh, somebody's restricting me. I can't do something that I want to do. So I, I think that the vernacular that we use around budgeting is is hard. I also know that... People want what they want when they want it. And so to restrict the budgeting is typically the way we do it is very much like calorie restriction, meaning get on the scale. If you weigh too much, you can't eat too much. And I, I like to eat too. So I don't like that, that whole language. So I've changed it with my clients. And what I talk about is I don't start talking about budgets. Where I usually start with my clients, and I would encourage everyone listening, is even if it seems completely impossible right now, to achieve any of your financial dreams, you still need to know what they are. Because if you clearly understand what you want in your life financially, and I'll tell you what my two biggies are right now. I'm an older mom. I didn't have my first child until almost 40 years old. So retirement for my husband, who's five years older than I am, and my kids' education is going to collide. So I want to be able to still retire my husband in the next five years and pay for a university education for my kids. And so now that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of clear focus. Yeah. But, but, that, but knowing that means, and, and it depends on how important all that is, meaning you, no one owes their kid a college education, meaning the kids can get scholarships, loans, and grants. If it's important to you, you need to put it through the litmus test and really make sure it's important. But once you have said, yes, these are my goals, whatever it is, I want to take a trip every year, whatever they are, then – you go back and say, okay, how much money is coming into the household? How am I utilizing that money? If you've got a lot of debt, the reality is is you're probably overspending your budget, and you may need to make a lifestyle change to live within your means. 
And if within your means should also mean that you're saving enough to achieve those goals. So sometimes it really does take a shift in your lifestyle, but people are willing to do that if they know why they're doing it. I mean, they're doing it for very specific things that mean something to them. I'll give you a quick example, though. Of, of I was lecturing in a very large room of women. It was a, a Women's Power of Pink Day on Breast Cancer Awareness, one of the hospitals that I sit on the board. And I had about 1,000 people in the room, and I was lecturing. And um, I was talking about this, and a woman raised her hand, and, and she came up to me afterwards and said, Shannon, I, I completely disagree. And I said, please tell me what you disagree. And she said, the most important thing to me in the entire world is that I send my, my son to the university and I pay for it, but I am never going to be able to pay for that. And I said, all right, that's fair. Let's, let's, let's have a, let, me, let me talk to you a little bit about your life. And I knew where she lived. I knew the home prices were in California. The home prices are pretty high. And I found out pretty quickly that she had a paid for, a completely paid for home in Southern California. And I said, and I said, well, I said, it sounds like one of your top values to me is having your home paid off. And she said, yes, I'm very proud of that. My husband and I know that's what we need to retire. And I said, well, you've got a couple choices. I, I don't think your number one value is tending your, paying for your son's education. He can do that himself. And she said, oh, no, 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 that's my number one value. I said, it is not. Your number one value is having your home paid off. And if you're not willing to sell your home and go into a smaller home or take a mortgage against your home to send your son to college, it wasn't your number one goal. And you're fooling yourself. So why, why stress yourself out? If, if you're okay with your son taking a loan or getting a scholarship, that's, that's okay too. But you're telling yourself you want one thing, but your actions are showing me something else. And you've been very successful at paying your home off. Congratulations. That looked like that was your number one goal. And so she kind of, she stood there with her light, like it was almost like I see that light bulb above her head going, bing, bing, bing. And she, and she looks at me and she goes, you're right. And I said, but really, your house is worth, I mean, her house is worth close to a million dollars. I said, if he gets into the university you just told me, it's going to be about $200,000. You can certainly mortgage the house, pay for his education, and then continue to pay the mortgage throughout retirement. But she said, I would never do that. And I said, then it's not your number one goal. So I, I hope you understand what I'm saying, Danielle. It's, it's so important that we get crystal clear and be honest with ourselves and not worry about what the rest of the world expects from us. I mean, often I tell people, don't buy a house. They'll come in here saying, we're, you know, we're scraping and, and dying to buy a house, Shannon. But we really want to travel. I said, then rent. Rent. Do what you want to do financially because then – You'll do the steps to create that foundation because you're happy financially. You're doing the things you want to do. But so often we put this guilt and shame or what society wants us to do with our money, and no wonder we avoid it. No wonder we don't want to budget. We don't want to budget because what we're budgeting for, we don't even want. You just demonstrated why anyone, regardless of how much or how little money they have, should come and see a financial advisor because people need a plan just like you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, they, they need to have something they're, they're working toward. And most of us, uh, I have been guilty of that myself. We just go from day to day and, you know, there are things we think about that we like to do and maybe take a vacation to a certain place, mm -hmm. uh, make some kind of purchase or whatever, but mm -hmm. to actually sit down and plan how we get from point A to point B to point C to make that happen, most of us don't do that. But, you know, having someone like you 
to help us. That's 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 uh, that's essential. Go ahead. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. I mean, interrupt you. I I oh. think that we get resentful as well, Donnell, because what happens is is then we start resenting our work and our lives, thinking we're not getting what we want. And and I and it's for me, it's a very sad cycle. In fact. It's one of those things that I have been very clear with my children from a very young age. Um, I know where my my money uh, dysfunction is, <laughs> and one of my, <laughs> my the dysfunctions in my life is my father was a surgeon and he was an oral reconstructive surgeon and he was very very bright and we had a very nice life, but he did not value clothes. And when I was a teenage girl, I mean, heck, all I wanted was the ditto jeans or you know the cool clothes, and he didn't value that. And I remember really, really wanting the clothes. And so I know with my girls that I, and I've told them this, I have to be very careful because there's other priorities that we have as a family. One of the things we like to do every year as a family is take a trip. And um, I know I could overspend on clothes daily. So if I was just not thinking about my goals, what I do is I set budgets for them and for me on clothes, and I give them their budget because I love them more than I love myself. And I would give them anything that I had. But they know that, and they know I could overspend on that, which would cost them the trip this year. So they handle their budget. And it's wonderful, Zanel, because I've taught them that if you buy the ditto jeans, which they don't want anymore. They don't even know what that is anymore. But buy what you want, <laughs> and, but know that it's all a choice. Life is choices. And regardless of the income we earn, it's still a choice. In fact, one of my favorite stories is, and I was so blessed at the beginning of my career, I was actually living working in Washington, D.C. at the time, and I was I happened to appear on Good Morning America, and it's so funny because when you're on TV, everybody thinks you know what you're talking about. I got so many calls after being on TV, um, and I, one of the guys, it's just, it's just the way it works, and one of the guys called me, and he was a doorman at a Marriott downtown in Washington, D.C., and he and his wife came in, and they said, gosh, we we didn't want to see anybody, but we know we've got some questions and um, this is what we earn. And it was a lot less than, than most professionals earn, but this is what we've done so far. And they lived within their means, Donnell. They were putting two kids through college, and he was a doorman at the Marriott. And he was such a beautiful example to me of what a family could do. And, and even with all the good decisions he had made, he needed some help from a strategy perspective. How do I – he didn't understand the financial world – and so what I helped him with was the strategy of how to think about it and what vehicles he could use to leverage to make it even better. But because he lived within his means, they lived in a home they could afford, they didn't get themselves into debt, um, they lived a very happy financial life, and it was such a great lesson for me. That's a great example. Uh, right now, you're listening to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints, and our topic is how to maintain or take control of your finances. And our special guest is certified financial planner, Ms. Shannon Ryan. If you would like to speak to Ms. Ryan, give us a call right now at 563-999-3660. We'll be back after these messages, and when we get back, we're going to talk about credit and Dead. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. 
Hashtag one million strong. From the bargain hunter to the overspender, we all have a unique relationship with the almighty dollar. But how can a basic understanding of our relationship with money help us better manage it now and in the future? As children, there are certain messages we learn about money from our parents, from what they say about it to what they do with it. And these messages are organized in our brains at a very early age. It really does help to form our money personality. In an effort to help people understand their financial habits, nationally recognized financial experts John and Eileen Gallo have teamed up with Visa to create a money personality quiz. This quiz is based on a concept developed by the Gallows that each of us develops a unique relationship with our money in three areas, acquisition, use, and management. This interactive tool, comprised of three interactive rulers, each representing three different skill areas, helps consumers assess and measure different aspects of their money styles. And it gives you tips on how you can go change your behaviors in each of those three different areas. This allows you not only to understand what your relationship is with money, but in the future to make better financial decisions. For more information, visit practicalmoneyskills.com. My savings are gone. Okay, where were they last? Here, right before I spent them on the vacation to Aruba. Weird. Not weird. Not saving now means no money later. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network. America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. Now, this is Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints on the CWR Talk Network, and thanks for joining us for tonight's discussion, How to Maintain or Take Control of Your Finances. We're joined tonight by Certified Financial Planner, author, speaker, and proud mom, Miss Shannon Ryan. Mm. Shannon, what should a person who wants to be in control of their personal finances know about credit? Well, I, I think that credit is one of these, gosh, it's, I think about it as somebody who puts themselves into a box, meaning that Credit is something that we can leverage to help us financially. But because it's credit also has been made available quickly and easily and to very young ages, in fact, there's a reason why credit cards are on college campuses. And the reason why is they know that most children are raised in homes where if they're walking into, and, you know, Targets are big here on the, on the West Coast. They walk into Target, and I hear this every time I'm in there, and they're like, Mom, I want, I want, I want. And we all have I wants, Donnell. But the response that they're getting at young ages is, nope, nope, we don't have time, we don't have enough money, let's go. And what they're learning is, is no, I can't get what I want. Um, and I've even heard young kids say, well, wait a minute, you've got that piece of plastic just running your credit card through. And <laughs> so when the credit card companies, when they hit the college campuses, or a sitter says, hey, look at this, I've got, I've got a credit card for you, um, we say yes, we'll, we'll get you what you want, then they start to put themselves into this box, into this uh, enslavement almost to their finances at such an early age, and then they come out with credit card debt and 
school loans and they get jobs, but no one teaches them how to pay that credit card debt off properly. And and that's where I like credit because as a financial advisor, credit cards, you can use them to accumulate points and 2% cash back. And I have to tell you, I love the credit industry. If it's handled properly, it could be a huge benefit to you financially. However, we're not taught how to use credit in a healthy manner, and it becomes something that causes depression and fights and loss of marriages. It, it can be a very negative thing, and, it's, um, and it shouldn't be. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm real glad to see that some of the banks are beginning to offer some uh, assistance to uh, bankers, uh, I mean uh, bank customers, and especially it looks like they're targeting younger uh, clients. I know that uh, Bank of America, I think, has partnered with Robert Kiyosaki, and they have a program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know here in, in my area, Regions Bank uh, is doing that, and uh, that's that's really good. The, the, the problem is offering the services and then getting the customers to come in and take advantage of it. So. Uh, I think we still have some work to do there in communication and working to motivate people to take advantage of services like that to help them. Now, uh, there was a report in USA Today from November 18th of last year that stated that, and I'm quoting, Americans are living beyond their means. The average American household carries $137,063 in debt according to the Federal Reserve's latest numbers. Yet the Census Bureau reports that the median household income was just $59,039 last year, suggesting mm-hmm. that many Americans are living beyond their means, end of quote. So, Janet, mm-hmm. how does a person avoid drowning in debt? And when that happens, what's the best way to recover? So I have two If you don't mind, Danielle, I want to go back and just make one more comment on the banks. Um, I I absolutely believe that a lot of the banks are doing a really good job. The problem that we have in this country, there's a lot of very underserved communities from a banking perspective. Um, My daughters and I are here in Los Angeles, and recently, a couple years ago, um, when there was a lot of tension um, between – certain groups and, and mainly some of the gang groups and others in this area and police and we saw it all over all over the country it was a big and there was a march that i did with my rotary club here and i took my daughters downtown la into an area that is i would consider grossly underserved and at the beginning of the march it was really to create peace it was a march it was a peace march um but i took my daughters into this neighborhood which was dangerous there was a lot was a lot of gang activity but a lot of beautiful families living there in this war zone and i looked at them and i said we're going to march for two miles you tell me when you see the first bank and in, here in our community, there's banks on every corner. And for two miles to now, how many banks do you think we saw? None. 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 And this is one of the major problems. So, yes, there are banks doing good things, but we have incredible families that really can use some help that are in areas that they're not putting one bank into. So I, and I'm just, I, I say that as a plea because there is, I, I know there's probably somebody even listening that may be living in an underserved community, and, and it is real. You don't have the services that you need. You have to go seek them out for your family. 
is as far as working with debt, the first step, if there is already debt that you have, what I would encourage you to consider doing is debt is accumulated because you're living beyond your means. And it's very hard to sit down and really take a hard look at this. But the first step is what do you want financially? And create those goals. And that should motivate you to say, all right, here's what our income is coming into our home. And, it, you know, is it the, the $59,036 is the average? Or what is the income coming in? What are our current expenses? And then the net, what should be left over at the end of the month that could be utilized for goals or debt service or other things. Often what I see is when somebody has gotten into a lot of debt, um, the debt service is what's drowning the household. And so either lifestyle changes need to be made, but I have very rarely ever seen anybody successfully come out of debt unless they built their cash reserves at the same time. The, the most common way of getting out of debt is people will throw everything they have at it because they just want out from underneath the black cloud. They just they want to get out. They want to feel good again. They want to have cash flow again. But what happens is, is that if they take their debt and they put it on a lower interest and they roll it all together, then all of a sudden they go, relief, I can spend again. And so you've got to understand what your cost of living is, what's left over, and then any extra money that you have at the end of the month, half of it should be going to overpaying that credit card, and half of it should go to your cash reserve, which is kind of counterintuitive. Like, well, if I'm going to put it in earning nothing, and especially right now with interest rates being so low, and yet I've got high interest rates on my credit card, then, but why does that make sense? It's because something is going to happen. It could take you two or three, four, five, ten years to really get out of debt, depending on what's happened. And if you don't build a cash reserve at the same time, something else will happen, meaning the car is going to need new tires. And now you've got $800 that you don't have. And, well, i, I got to go back on the credit card. And then you're deflated, and it becomes this horrible cycle that continues over and over and over again. So it's, it's creating a plan and then honoring it because you know what your goals are long term. Okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, response, and I want to thank you for uh, mentioning about the underserved communities with the banks because that's a problem nationwide, and I really appreciate you bringing that out. Now, you, you talk about uh, becoming the CFO or chief financial officer of your life and your family uh, of a person doing that for his life or his family or her life or her family. Could you explain? Uh, what that means and how to achieve that goal? So what I mean by the chief financial officer is somebody in the household, and hopefully if it, there's, there's two parents in the household or if you're a single person or if you're a widow, that you recognize that as the adults in the household, you are the chief financial officer, whether you know you are or not, meaning you, you have to think of yourself in that role so you take responsibility for that, meaning you look at your budgets on a monthly basis. You understand what the income is coming in and going out. You understand your benefits at work, meaning if you work for a big organization, you probably have 401Ks, you probably have insurance, you probably have lots of opportunities, and it's scary. Sometimes it's completely intimidating, but as the chief financial officer, if I know that's my role, then I have to get answers because that's my job. 
And if that's my job, I'm going to reach out and become that person. So I think understanding our role in the household and with our own money is very important. And I also believe that if you are in a partnership, a relationship, a marriage, that both spouses should be well-informed about the finances and there should be accountability and check and balances. I, um, it's funny, in my household, because I'm a CFP, I do all the investing. My husband pays the bills, but I do all the investing. But I, I literally drag him into my office once a year. And yeah, We've been married almost 30 years <laughs> now, but I make him every year come to my office and say, this is what you own. This is what you owe. This is what your retirement looks like. This is what the kids' education looks like. This is what we can and can't do this year. And I give him an entire list of all the insurance and where all the assets are, and it, he keeps it in his safe deposit box in his office just so he knows in case something happens to me. But it's so important to, as a chief financial advisor in my home. I, I do more of it than my – he does more of the cash flow that I know that's my role, and I take it seriously. And I think that if you, you take responsibility for that role, then you will ask the questions. You'll push further, and you will take responsibility. Okay, very good. Now, uh, we want to get a little personal here, Shannon. Uh, you're okay. working uh, with two young daughters, yeah. I believe Lauren and Taylor. Uh, yeah. And yep. it's important to you to uh, help parents raise financially uh, competent children. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. you stated that you consider your greatest achievement to be your mm-hmm. two financially competent daughters. So yeah. who was it that provided you with early training and put you on the path to financial literacy? My amazing father that I lost 15 years ago, um, he sat me down now and I didn't even know what the gift was at that time in fact I, I think I was irritated through my te- teen years but every night at dinner he would sit me down we always ate dinner together and I always eat dinner with my girls and pre- in breakfast if I can and we would just have conversations and the conversations were very broad um, and for years we had conversations on financial competence and and being fi- emotionally intelligent and what he taught me at the very young age, he did not tell me, Danelle, that four quarters equal a dollar. He assumed that I would learn that, as most kids do. But what he taught me that I had no idea at the time that was such a gift was that money is emotional. And every decision you make around money is emotional, whether you know it or not. I mean, so often we think, oh, I'm not emotional about money. But all you have to do is watch somebody's decisions and you realize that it's emotional. And that's okay. You just have to learn what your emotions are and then understand how to put things in place to still achieve what's important to you. So I used an example earlier with my girls, Lauren and Taylor, with their clothing budget. So I have a 12- and a 14-year-old girl. They love clothes by now. And so what I – and I love clothes, and I I have to be careful about overspending on them because I'm a parent. I love them so much. I would do anything for them. So – I put together a budget. I keep a spreadsheet on my computer, and it's a family computer, so they can look at it anytime. And during the year, when they first get their budget, it looks like a lot of money. But when they realize they've got to buy their backpack with it and their jeans and their shorts and their T-shirts, they have learned over the years to budget that money. In fact, we're, we're getting close to the end of the school year, and both of them still have money in their clothing budget right now. And they're very careful about how they spend it. And frankly, they're very careful with the clothes that they buy. They treat them well. They, they make sure 
that they don't get stained, they don't throw them on the floor because they know that there's only so much money. And um, they love having their own budget and making their own decisions, but they know that it's not a, a bottomless budget. And so by doing that, I've taught them the emotions behind getting what you want, which is I want them to, if they want something, I want them to understand how to get it. But everything has a cost. If they buy the designer pair of jeans, when they could have bought three pairs of other jeans that weren't designer, that there's a cost to that. They have fewer clothes. But if they are really happy when every time they put those jeans on and they are so happy, then it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. And that's what they're learning. Okay. And it sounds like in addition to learning to be money wise, they're also learning to be responsible, which is uh which yeah. is great too. Now, uh, many parents would like to provide their children with the same kind of training you receive, but don't have the same help from their parents in helping them to learn about money management uh, and through no fault of, uh, of their own, uh, and therefore may not feel competent to be the teacher of their own children when it comes to financial literacy. What advice do you have for those parents? I think there's, there's a couple different aspects of the question. Okay. The, the, first, the first answer is there's some great resources out there. Is I, I have a blog, and I, and I talk about it, and I'm really on a mission to help parents gain the words, the knowledge, not only for themselves, but to really start working with their kids. And, but the, the process of being able to say no to your children, I think that it really starts emotionally, meaning that I find that when parents are, again, I said earlier, we all want to give everything we can to our children, and then we're afraid to say no, we're afraid to hurt them, or we have that, that deep, deep desire that we didn't get the Barbie dream house, and we want to make sure that our kids get the Barbie dream house. I, I think that's where a lot of the mistakes start. And in fact, it's, I'll tell you another quick story. Two and a half weeks ago, my daughter uh, had a day off right before spring break, and her closest friend wanted to go to Magic Mountain, which is just out north of L.A. here. And they were going on a very busy day, and the tickets uh, uh, bought the ticket through my office, and my office gave a discount. So I got it for $50 for the day, and she had done really well on her grades, and I, and I told her that I would pay for the ticket as a reward for her semester grades. And the next question I got that night was, well, because it's busy, they're going to buy a fast pass. And I said, well, how much is a fast pass? The fast pass was an additional $125, in addition to the $50 wow. for one day. <laughs> And most parents, and then there was a parent taking them, and all the kids were buying them. So I think as parents, the first thing we want to do is we want to fit in. We don't want our daughter to feel like she doesn't have the money to do it. But on the other hand, I told her, I said, that wasn't what we had discussed. That's a lot of money. What else can you do with that money? And we spent quite a bit of time talking about what $125 can buy. And then I told her that we as a family were not going to utilize family money to do that. If she wanted to use babysitting money, that would be her decision to do it. And But it created a whole conversation because she said, well, everyone else's parents are paying for them. And I said, absolutely, that's their decision around family money. But what was interesting to announce, it came full circle. Um, the father who I, I reached out to him and said, I don't want to inconvenience anybody, and I, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but I'm not comfortable paying for this. Um, and he, he, he texted back and said, you know, I, I wish I could tell my kids I wasn't. I mean, they just assumed I would buy this extra ticket. How did you tell your daughter no? 
And so it, I really didn't tell her no. I, I gave her choices. I said, you have babysitting money. Um, you can use that. We're not using family money, but let's talk about what else this money could buy and what your what experiences are you trading for a day, you know, being able to go to the front of the line for a day in Magic Mountain. So those are the type of lessons and how a parent can really help their children. But it, it takes work, Danelle. I mean, this is what I'm trying to articulate is this isn't easy, and it's not for the faint of heart. It's saying no, and sometimes it's not feeling like you can fit in. And even as a parent, Danelle, I mean, honestly, I could afford to do it. And I don't want to be embarrassed in my community that I'm the only parent saying, oh, no, we can't do it. But you know what? There was a bigger lesson here. And frankly, I don't want to spend more than two times for an experience that she could have had for the ticket and had just as nice of a day. And how do I tell her that? So as a parent, there's so many of these type of experiences that if we take those moments as learning experiences, then we can really make a deep impact and really help our children stay out of debt, make good decisions, and always know that it is a decision. Thank you. It's very good. Now, uh, we're, we're running out of time, and I did want to talk about your book before we concluded tonight. So can you tell Thank us you. about uh, the book, The Heavy Purse, which was inspired by your daughters, and how it may be used as a tool by parents as well as others? So I started with the heavy purse, and the name came, my daughter, my youngest daughter, Taylor, came down the hallway one day, and she had a coin purse, and it was filled with a bunch of coins, and she said, Mom, my purse is so heavy. Why is it so heavy? And I looked at her and said, because there's lots of responsibility in that purse. And we sat down and talked about all the things she could do with those coins, and we started talking about saving, sharing, and spending. She was three years old. And we started putting together jars to save, share, and spend. And this is where the conversation started. And I thought, well, how can I help other parents? I mean, I do this professionally. This is what I do. So having these conversations to me is like a dentist child brushing in their teeth. I mean, I, this is what I do. But how can I help other parents who may not have had the same experience with their father or don't do this professionally? And I thought, gosh, we're all so busy. But what do we, most parents do every night is we read our children bedtime stories. So I wrote The Heavy Purse and a second book called The Lemonade Stand that is simply a picture book, very easily read, very enjoyed by the children, that I started to read to my children every night, and I, and I started reading it and giving it to my clients. And what I started hearing is, is that children as early as three were talking about saving, sharing, and spending. And then I started blogging, and then I've now I've started blogging um, about how to answer questions about I want, I want, I want, and, and really honoring the fact that we do want things and then helping kids frame those desires and how to use money in the world. So I started with the books just really as a tool for the parents and then went into trying to give additional education on my website. Okay, very good. Now, Shannon, it's been a pleasure talking with you this Thank evening you. and tapping into your vast knowledge of uh, finance, especially personal finance. Uh, you have our invitation to come back and conduct our Thank own you. Investing 101 program hmm. uh, and share with us how to begin the process of preparing to become an investor because really I hope that's, that's yeah. the goal of uh, most people listening, uh, to get to a yeah. point where you can make your money work for you. So on behalf of the CWR Talk Network, we thank you for the very beneficial information you shared with us tonight. 
and for helping us celebrate Financial Literacy Month. And we look forward to your return again soon. So, Dino, tell thank us, uh, you. I'm inspired by the work that you and Lionel do. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, please tell our listeners how they may contact you to learn more about uh, you and your services and where they may obtain your, your books. Um, my website is www.theheavypurse.com. I have four years worth of blogs. You can obtain the books. Um, and I also have videos on, on there, and I hope it's a great resource for you. If you have any questions, you can you can email me from that website. Okay, very good. Thanks again. We really appreciate it. We would also like to thank each of you, our listeners in CWR Nation, for joining us for tonight's broadcast. Our month-long celebration of Financial Literacy Month continues tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. on the Lionel Chipman Shape Your Finances show with Lionel's special guest, Sam Rennick, creator of Semi Rabbit. Lionel and Sam will be discussing improving children's financial literacy, and this should be a very interesting program because of the concept that Mr. Rennick uses to uh, work with children. And as I mentioned previously, uh, if you did not get a chance to listen to Lionel's program from last week, that's available now uh, on iTunes or also at our website, blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash CWR Talk Network. And uh, I will be back on Monday. That's the 16th. And my guest is going to be Miss Betsy Paik, who has an extraordinary story to tell. And we will discuss successfully overcoming life's setbacks and boldly facing fear. Miss Paik will share her own personal experience with adversity and how she overcame it to become successful in life. So please join me next Monday evening. That's April 16th at 6.30 p.m., Central Daylight Time as we continue our special programming for Financial Literacy Month. And don't forget, we're also available now on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google+. And if you miss any episodes, you may listen to them through these services. As is our custom, we leave you with our musical message for this week. And since we've been talking about the pitfalls and challenges some of us face in managing money, uh, dealing with bad practices like overspending or burying ourselves in debt, or if we've just had some bad circumstances like the loss of a job or a prolonged injury or illness that has caused us financial ruin. Tonight's show should be a source of encouragement to keep on fighting. So we selected a song with that same message. We hope you enjoy the great team of McFadden and Whitehead with Ain't no stopping us now. That's it for tonight's program. Have a good night and a great week. And we hope we'll see you Monday evening. And right now, here's McFadden and Whitehead.
so many things that held us down But now it looks like things are finally coming around I know we've got a long, long way to go And where we'll end up, I don't know But we won't let nothing hold us back We're putting our shirts together We're polishing up our act
CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.